0: Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out FourEyedRadio.com. It's Morphin Time! Today on Ranger Command Power Hour. Now a
1: message from the Power Rangers. This is a test. For the next 60 seconds, the Power Rangers, in association with Fox Broadcasting... We'll conduct a test of the emergency reality check system.
2: Do you know your fantasy from reality?
1: This is only a test.
2: Fantasy. The Power Rangers battle the forces of evil and never get hurt.
1: Reality. When someone hits you, (coughs) it hurts. Sorry, Billy. This has been a test of the emergency reality check system. Had this been an actual emergency, you'd have been told to get Get real. real.
0: And now on Ranger Command Power Hour.
1: Ay 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 ay! It's the Ranger Command Power Hour.
0: Today on the Power Hour episode 188 Ranger Command PSA, a conversation on COVID nineteen with Doctor Ben, recorded on September 6th, 2021. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four Eyed Radio Network. It's time to Ranger up with your host. I'm Eric, also known as b 47
2: I'm Chris, also known as Toku Chris.
0: This episode is brought to you by our patrons on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more about supporting Ranger Command Power Hour. Thanks to our $5 and above patrons, Chris P., Steve F., Ethan S., AJW, Eric D., Jacob P., Steve M., Steve R., Charlie N., Tyler B., Tyler W., Jason O., Craig H., Craig M., Liz M., Mason M., Kevin R., Hassan A., Bo H., Leland D., Josh P., Derek G., and Teresa B. for supporting us this month. Remember, you can go to link tr.ee slash rangercommandph for... All of the ways to support Ranger Command Power Hour, as well as our Amazon affiliate link at Amazon.com/shop/RangerCommandPH. On this special episode of Ranger Command, we are joined by Doctor Ben at Doctor Ben MD on Twitter. He is a physician in training, currently working on COVID nineteen vaccines. Welcome to Ranger Command Power Hour, Ben.
1: Hello, thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And before we get into it, the way this all kind of started, I think like most people, I've been pretty frustrated with the way COVID-19 has been handled in in this country and just going stir crazy and everything. And I guess one of my little rant tweets, uh, Ben reached out and wanted to to do something, to educate our listeners and provide some insight. So thanks very much for joining us, Ben.
1: Your frustration couldn't come at a better (laughs) time. You know, like I've been wanting to sort of go and do some outreach to definitely my hobbies and what have you just to sort of educate about the vaccine and educate about COVID and sort of give my perspective because I, I am on the front line and I'm working on several different Parts of the pandemic I'm working on research having to do with the pandemic I'm on research having to do with the actual vaccine and I'm working on actually at a major vaccine site so I feel that there's different ways that my voice can be heard and uh, I just want to help.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and the reason we've got Chris on is that Chris has three children under 12, and you're actually working on these trials for children under 12, so that's why I brought Chris in, because as a parent, you know, I think any parent would have questions on, on this type of stuff.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah. I mean, not that I speak for all parents, mind you. Sure. But I I know there's a lot of, of people in our fan community who are parents who have probably the same kind of questions that I have, as well as the same type of fears with my kids. Or I should say I only have one kid going to school right now. But still, I mean, because of where I live and the lack of prudence, we'll say, as far as cutting down possible or potential transmission, every time my son comes home with a cough. You know, you stop and wonder, like, "Uh-oh, is this it?" So I, I just think it'd be nice to talk and share and fears, and and maybe talking with you, Ben, we can figure out ways for parents such as myself to maybe calm ourselves down from the COVID cliff. That everything that a kid brings home isn't COVID.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. No. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and maybe before we get a little bit into that, I mean, I asked all of our new guests, co-hosts. So, how'd you get into Power Rangers? First of all,
1: oh man. So I'm 33. So I would say. When I was entering maybe, like, third, fourth grade, I really got into Mighty Morphin. I got mostly into the toys, the show I would watch when we didn't go to synagogue. Happy Rosh Hashanah, by the way. (laughs) Um, And I would say that the biggest things that sort of stood out for me for Power Rangers was definitely the first movie and Power Rangers in Space. I think Power Rangers in Space came out at a very, like, specific time when it was also i think i've told you eric that the three in my childhood if i'm thinking of like the three like defining pillars in terms of how to construct a story and serialization for me it was power rangers in space pokemon gold silver and crystal the video games and the show digimon adventure zero two these were all sorts of things that had sequel vibes and also dealing with consequences all of that that's my star wars yeah. like those were like the formative things for me and then i guess i sort of like dipped out of power rangers after the zordon era i revisited it once in college and then dipped out again and then revisited it with mega force and super mega force and you know dino charge and some of the current stuff and i think really like what's kind of keeping me in it are it's definitely the comic books oh for sure yeah i mean and getting to actually meet kyle and ryan and Daniele and simone and new york comic-con over the years it's been definitely very cool to talk with them about the comics and their love for the show and like definitely listening to your podcast listening to ranger danger listening to all of what the fans have to say about it mm-hmm. it's kind of just this evolving brand that for better or for worse, will never go away.
0: Hopefully not.
1: Hopefully not. Hopefully not. It's very punishing on my wallet in terms of the toys. I do collect the Lightning Collection.
0: Oh, yeah. Good man, good man.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And, I, and, I, and I'd also like to say uh, thank you to Ryan Parrott for making uh, the Black Saba canon so I didn't feel that I wasted the
0: money that I exactly no it was very cool to see that in the comics so yeah let's talk a little bit about just for our listeners and because we are talking about you know a medical topic Chris and I are not medical experts in the slightest obviously we're gonna defer to you for you know any questions that we have but um, maybe just for the audience what's your field of study what are you working on right now
1: So I graduated medical school. Um, I have not started residency yet. I'm in the process of, uh, I'm actually sending out applications at the end of this month. And during this year, I've basically been working pretty extensively with COVID-19. I want to just preface by saying that I'm, 100% not the expert Mm -hmm. and definitely like if you have any questions definitely consult your physician right but where I'm coming from is I'm working I've been working at a major vaccine site for Essex County New Jersey since like mid-March and that's a major vaccine site for the COVID vaccine and then I started doing research with uh, Robert Wood Johnson's pediatric clinical research center where I'm working on several research studies, one, which is the Pfizer under 12 clinical trial, which is going strong. And the other is a study focusing on why some kids get very sick from COVID and why some don't. My focus in terms of what I want to do, it's going to be primary care, either pediatrics or family medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, I love both and definitely patient education and public health. So I guess that's the, the sort of like big snapshot picture of it.
0: That's excellent. So one of the questions I guess I had is why has there been such a long time just to get the vaccine eligible for children under 12?
1: Well, I think like with anything that you're dealing with with children, it's always going to take a long time. When we're doing clinical trials, we're trying to assess the safetyness and the effectiveness, and safety obviously in the younger population is like going to be the most paramount. So I believe it was last summer when the NIA, the National Institute of Health, was starting to do, like, rolling out clinical trials for the various vaccines for adults. That's the first barrier. Like, is it safe for adults? Let's first see that. And then I want to say by end of December, they said, okay, it's safe for adults. We feel that it's safe for adults. We can start rolling out Pfizer and the Moderna vaccines to adults And we can start doing some clinical trials on patients between the ages of 16 to 18. Mm -hmm. And then that sort of continued and there were positive results from that. But then the big question mark was like, okay, so what are we going to do for like the under 12 population? And a lot of that has to come down to dosing because children are smaller. And so we have to pick the right dose. The pharmaceutical companies have to pick the right dose. And a lot of it also comes down to, well, have we ob- observed enough that it's safe for adults than that? We can like roll it out to kids. Mm-hmm. I believe Johnson and Johnson, for example, they wanted to do a pediatric vaccine. I don't believe that's going to happen anymore, but I could be wrong. Sure. But I believe that part of that was definitely because of the Johnson and Johnson pause. Like when, when there were six seven people that got sick, and I believe one or two of them passed away in April from the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, that definitely, like, raised a red flag. That's definitely, like, one of the hurdles that definitely comes up. And then, like, another hurdle, and, like, these are, like, important obstacles, like, that we yeah. have to be transparent about. Another one was, I believe a 1,000 cases were reported of myocarditis and pericarditis in young males between the ages of 12 to 24, uh, that were receiving the mRNA vaccines, that's the Pfizer and Moderna. Um, and myocarditis and pericarditis, it's essentially inflammation at or around the heart. Mm. It is very treatable. And I, I don't believe anybody passed away, fortunately, from these cases. And when you're taking a look at like numbers, it's about 1000 patients out of millions of shots that have been given. Right. So the risk is the risk is extremely low. Nevertheless, the benefit far outweighs the risk. Like, it's much better to get your vaccine than worry about something like that. Still, like if you're a parent and you're, and you're getting your vaccine for your like 12 year old son or something like that, then like, yeah, I would still say like, you know, keep an eye on them, make sure that there's no chest pain, make sure, or, or if there is any chest pain or any trouble breathing, then, you know, you contact your pediatrician or your emergency room physician. Mm-hmm. But I think that sort of answers your question. I hope it does, but that but but that's sort of the long and short of why it takes so long for us to get these vaccines, because trust me, I know that there's definitely people out there, there's parents that are saying, like, "Hey, why are you so worried about a third booster when we should be worried about the under twelve well it, like one doesn't have to equal the other like yeah, you could do, we're doing both at the same time, and it's and it's not a question of like vaccine shortage or anything like that. it's a question of we want more data. We want to make sure that it's safe. We want to make sure that the solution isn't going to be worse than the, than the problem itself. Mm -hmm. I'm hopeful that the vaccine will be available for under 12, hopefully by the end of the year. Um, at least for ages five to 11, that's not an official thing or anything like that. That's, that's me going off of like, I believe the Pfizer CEO, like said this on the news and such and such. Yeah. So, that's that's the hope. The hope is that it will be available by the end of the year.
0: With that timeline, it was only a couple weeks ago, less than a couple weeks ago, that the FDA approved the COVID-19 vaccine from Pfizer. Uh, which is yeah. now known as community. Um yeah. I think I'm pronouncing that right. And that's for the prevention of COVID-19 disease in vid- individuals 16 years of age or older, but it also continues to be available for emergency use authorization for individuals 12 through 15 years of age and the administration of a third dose in certain immunocompromised individuals. So, we only got the FDA approval for that, you know, without the emergency use authorization just a couple of weeks ago.
1: Right. And like I can tell you that like I said I work at a vaccine site and so like we see like different volumes of patients every day. Definitely for the third dose for the immunocompromised and also people that aren't immunocompromised, they're also getting it. That's one of those things where it's like you can't really ask somebody if you're immunocompromised without violating certain aspects of HIPAA, and you can't really sure. deny somebody. Having said that, where I believe that it's being emergency use authorized for eight months, starting after September 20th, and this is like just a personal observation, I think that that is going to get moved up okay. um, to like five or six months. And there's really no harm in getting it earlier. You do get the, be- the best benefit if you're getting it five or six months after your second dose, and also eight months probably as well. You're kind of splitting hairs, really. I could tell you right now that from what I've seen, we were getting a lot of people for their third dose. And definitely after the FDA approval, I think it has increased some confidence for people that were very much on the fence about getting it, which is good. Like, it's about time that people got it.
0: Yeah, 100%.
1: So, Ben, just out of your
2: your knowledge and your Experience. I I know there's some hesitation right now and maybe not hesitation, but there seems to be maybe some miscommunication regarding this September 20th date as far as, you know, uh, approving a third booster shot. And then there's conversation in the past of like, hey, don't mix your shots. If you got a Pfizer, stick with Pfizer. If you got Moderna, stick with Moderna. I guess my my two biggest questions would be, number one, is there anything detrimental about getting a booster shot early? Like, is there any danger to it? Because I don't understand why there would be hesitancy other than supply versus demand. And then number two, for those of us who maybe got Moderna as opposed to Pfizer, uh, who would like to get a booster shot when the time comes, should we wait for FDA approval for Moderna? Because I know it's currently pending status right now. Or should, you know, is there any danger with crossing over to Pfizer for a booster shot?
1: Well, let's first tackle your second question, because I can actually kind of answer that easier. I'm guessing that you got Moderna, Chris? Correct, yes. So I actually did as well, um, and I actually got my booster this past Saturday, as in, like, last week. And it was a Moderna booster. The general consensus is don't cross the streams, don't make an Mm -hmm. Arnold Palmer. There's probably no disadvantage to doing that, but the question then becomes, like, okay, well, what's the benefit? Just keep it, like... Just keep it straight and the same, basically. I got my third Moderna last Saturday. My first two were back in January, and because I work in healthcare and I'm on the front line, and it was coming up to that eight-month mark anyway, it made sense for me to get it now. The bottom line, I think, is that like you kind of want to do it in that five, six, seven, eight-month window. You don't really want to do it sooner, unless you're immunocompromised. And I don't believe that you're going to get as strong of a benefit if you're going to do it earlier than that five, six, seven, eight months. It's hard to say what's the best method. I, I believe Israel has been doing it with six months. And I believe that's why the Biden administration is probably going to end up moving it. Again, that's not like based off of like any internal knowledge. That's based off of like knowledge that I get from the news and knowledge that I've been hearing from the administration.
0: Yeah.
1: And it appears that the longer you go, between the second and third shot the stronger boost you get from that third shot there's a vaccinologist who's been very like active on twitter his name is professor peter hotez that i can definitely link eric to and he can maybe like put that in the show notes or something um and andy Slabbit as well those two i believe do a very good job of giving you good pictures and snapshots of how the vaccine works and when it's a good time to sort of like do your booster probably. Okay.
2: And then the the first question was, is there any, the miscommunication part when you see like, you know, oh, get your booster now. Oh wait, no, don't get your booster. For someone who wants to get it at that five to six month window versus the eight to nine month window, is there any detriment to them getting it
1: two or three months earlier? You're, you're, you're splitting hairs. You're honestly splitting hairs. Look, I personally feel that the eight month, decision was likely so the immunocompromised could get ahead of the line, because they needed it the most. That's full stop. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's really no scientific proof, as far as I've seen, that shows any real difference between five or six or eight months. You are very much splitting hairs at that point. One quick follow-up, real fast,
2: too. This this is my my new knowledge here. Is the booster shot its own separate thing, or is it just another... It's the same. It's just the same second dose. It's all
1: over again. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. hmm. So, so with Pfizer, it's 0.3 milliliters for both the first dose and then the second dose. And then the booster is also 0.3. And then for Moderna, it's 0.5, 0.5, and then 0.5. Same formulation, same everything. It's just your, what you're creating is a secondary immune response. that's going to be a much stronger one than the primary immune response that, that you got from the first two shots.
0: And that's because your body's reacting like, oh, here we go again. Right. Reactivate exactly. those antibodies. So
1: if,
2: if, you, yeah. if you had a reaction, like, for example, I had a, um, basically, like, the COVID-like symptoms from the second shot for, like, sure. 36 hours or what have you, is that, uh, for someone, would I potentially end up having that same reaction again um, with a booster shot? I, or you or know, have, you seen, have you seen any reports of people having the same kind of reactions people got in the second, not to scare people from, a, a, yeah. you know, like, oh, I'm going to get sick, but, you
1: know, other than a well, sore I mean, arm For me, I was tired after my first Moderna, and then I was fine after my second one, and then my third, I was sick for a day.
2: Yeah, that's like, what I had after I, my second. I was sick. For
1: yeah, a day. yeah. I probably had a low-grade fever. I was like, I was hot and I was cold, and... My body aches and then I had a swollen lymph node for a week. So like definitely like more pronounced. I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the same thing for everybody, though. And and then another thing you have to take into account is like, well, did you have covid? Because if you had covid Mm -hmm. in the past, you are 50 to 60 percent more likely to experience a more robust reaction. And I'm not saying hospitalization. I'm saying like, oh, you might like have a fever for like three days as opposed to like one or two. Oh, you might be sick in bed for a few days instead of just one or two, but look, you have to sort of like compare it because it's, it's like, okay, which is worse this or actually having COVID and being on a ventilator. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, would rather be laid up in bed a couple of days than in a hospital for God knows how long.
1: Right. Yeah. I got caught up on some video games. I'm fine with that.
0: Right. (laughs) And I had the Pfizer so I had my first and and second shot first I was I was all right sore arm kind of a headache whatever the second shot I was fine the next day but it was like a delayed reaction because the day after it it hit me like a ton of bricks like I just felt terrible but then right. then it went away in like 24 to 36 hours so
2: can I, can I just say like after that after you're sick for that what for the first 24 36 hours? That was the best I have felt in a long time. Yep. After yeah, I got sick. Like it was. I felt like I was on cloud nine for the first yeah. time in
1: years. Yeah, I, I felt. I would say like after the first one, the day after I got my shot, I was exhausted. I don't think I had a fever. I don't think I had chills or anything like that. But then the day after that, I felt like a million bucks. I felt very rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I. It literally
2: felt like I had just lost fifty pounds, and like I was ready to go run a marathon. Like I was, I was ready to go. Like that was. Yeah one of the best feelings in the world, honestly.
1: I think going back to like the misinformation, I think a lot of it comes from people not really understanding how the vaccine works. Do you want me to talk a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I'm not sure how much our listeners know about this or obviously everyone's knowledge and research into it is a bit different. So just kind of like baseline for everyone.
1: Sure. Essentially, there's something called mRNA. Every person makes mRNA. It's essentially like the script that your body makes in order to, for you to make proteins. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can carry out various biological processes. So essentially, what the vaccine is, it's a piece of mRNA from a dead version of, the, of a synthetic virus. And it is the main active ingredient in the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines where your body takes in the mRNA and your body's proteins then read the mRNA. So then your body can then make the COVID-19 spike protein. Mm -hmm. And then your body's immune system recognizes the COVID-19 spike protein as foreign and it creates antibodies against the COVID-19 spike protein for you to have as your memory. And then afterwards, all the components that were in the vaccine, they actually leave your system within 72 hours.
0: Okay. It's just there to trigger that immune response.
1: Yeah. It's literally just there to trigger that immune response. And like the misinformation about how these vaccines work is, I feel like I've heard everything kind of under the sun at this point. The biggest takeaway that I can sort of give on how mRNA works is that mRNA is such a small molecule It cannot enter the nucleus of the cell, which is where DNA is located. Mm -hmm. It cannot modify your DNA. There's no interaction with DNA at all, full stop. And anybody that's telling you otherwise is wrong. I had a patient a few days ago. She was coming in for her second shot and young girl, African-American, coming in for her second dose of her Pfizer vaccine. The first dose after she got her vaccine She was beforehand. She was extremely anxious. Mm. Um, And then afterwards, after she got it, she was just like so anxious that she just had to lie down. I didn't get a chance to really speak with her about why, what made her so anxious. She was with her two sisters and they were telling me about how she was very apprehensive about all of this. And we were just trying to focus on like stabilizing the patient. And afterwards, she was fine. She was able to get up, leave, go home. And then she came in for her second dose this past Saturday. And I said, you know, at this time, I'm going to have you lie down while we're giving you your shot. And we're just going to do it like you're going to be very comfortable. And so I gave her her shot. And then afterwards, she was like, doctor, I really have to ask you a question. I'm like, what's going on? And she said, you know, my dad, he told me that if I were to get this vaccine, I wouldn't be able to walk again. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, geez. Like, I just told her just straight up, your dad's wrong. Mm -hmm. Like. And that's that's the sort of like miscommunication and misinformation that's like really becoming a big part of the problem. There's the whole autism aspect, which is which was completely disproven and is completely incorrect. There's other factors where people are saying like this will modify your DNA in some way. It's really unfortunate and really frustrating to see a lot of vulnerable communities being taken advantage of Mm -hmm. and become targets for this misinformation. And this isn't like me getting political about it or anything. This is a public health like emergency and Mm -hmm. it's not a joke. Like I said, I'm working on seeing like why some kids get severe COVID and why some don't. And so I see the consequences of what COVID can do to young children. And I've seen what COVID can do to those that are unvaccinated and it's not pretty.
0: And there's just so many long-term effects that maybe aren't still, aren't known, or we're just finding out about people who have contracted COVID-19 and just the detrimental effects to their health after they survive it, essentially. Right.
1: Yeah. Long COVID, it's definitely a thing and it's definitely a big problem.
0: Yeah. So I, I think that's, you know, one of the reasons why you know, we wind you on, especially to talk about the under 12, because school is starting again. And that's like a big concern. A lot of schools are, the kids are coming in, it's no longer home learning or or anything like that. So I guess to like advice to parents out there, you know, what can they do to make sure that their kids are, are safe or following guidelines?
1: I feel like I'm not going to like reinvent the wheel here, but it's definitely coming down to like masks and getting yourselves vaccinated. Mm -hmm. That's really the long and short of it. And definitely wearing masks indoors, even if you are vaccinated, definitely wearing masks indoors if you're going to like public places like a grocery store. I think that parents that are not vaccinated need to sort of like take a good hard look at it and really educate themselves. And I guess when I sort of approach somebody that's not vaccinated, I sort of say to them, okay, why not? Like what, what's your concern? And I try to address those concerns and any sort of misinformation, I, I explain like, well, this is why this is wrong. This is why that's wrong. And it's, it's the best form of like motivational like interviewing that I can possibly do. Like I wish I could give better advice and better input other than, wearing masks, and vaccinating yourselves. And if you have children over the age of 12, they should get the vaccine as well. Mm -hmm. What I've seen in terms of kids getting sick, there's something called MISC, which stands for Multisystem Inflammatory Systemic Illness in Children. One of my studies is trying to determine why some kids get that and why some kids don't. And that's going to be a major four-year study. We We don't know. Why some kids get it and why some kids don't like that's mm-hmm. that's something that we are going to try to determine. But the complications of MISC can result in kidney failure, heart failure, lung failure, and you could be perfectly healthy and have no preexisting conditions and still develop this. This is all like very preventable with everybody sort of in your bubble getting vaccinated and getting their masks.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: I feel badly that I can't give any better advice to Chris or any of the other parents out there other than vaccinate yourselves, vaccinate the family members of yours that are eligible, wear your masks, hope for the best. Yeah,
2: I I would say that my my biggest challenge that I run into is uh, I live in a community that doesn't push any kind of masking mandates. I don't think they've made them illegal, but they they really don't uh, require them. Right. So my, my oldest, he's five years in school. There's no mask mandate at school for kindergarten. Um, yeah. And then even trying to get him to wear a mask, to be completely honest, is, is sometimes an uphill battle that, that we lose. Because, you know, tell him to wear the mask, but they don't have to wear it at school. I have no idea if he's wearing a mask when he gets to school or not. Right. Um, so, you know, for, for me, it's just kind of every day we kind of have to roll the dice. And like I, I said when we first started talking, like uh, he brought home uh, RSV uh, last week or two weeks mm-hmm. ago now. Um, which, you know, I, I mean, I do my due diligence. I have my own uh, rapid tests and stuff at home uh, for COVID for my own job. So when I, you know, when I started feeling bad, it's like, okay, I need to swap myself real quick. And if I come back negative, I know my kids are negative because I'm sick or not, they're wrestling me every day. You know, whatever they got, I got too. Uh, right. It's just that, that fear that like, just kind of waiting for it is, as far as when they bring it home. And, and it's one of those things that I, I think the miscommunication, misinformation that's out there too, it's like. I understand that not every child is going to get sick with COVID when they're infected. I understand that COVID, as it exists, really focus on the immunocompromised and the older people first. Uh, and then as it's mutated here through these variants, now it's just kind of hitting everybody. So I know there's a chance that my son might get it. You may not even know he gets it until me or my wife start showing symptoms of some sort. Um,
1: so so actually, Chris, um, d- if you don't mind my asking, like, did the school sort of explain why they aren't doing a mask mandate? Uh, no, they have not. Okay. You know, I think, I think in one of those sorts of scenarios, and I, this is just sort of like on the top of my head right now, because, you know, I, like, I live in New Jersey. Like, we do have mask mandates for yeah. the most part. I haven't really spoken to a lot of parents that have kids that are going to school that they're not requiring masks. But I, it's definitely a problem that I haven't faced before. I think in that sort of scenario, you sort of, you kind of have to like work with other parents and maybe maybe try to like form an open letter or something to the school board and just sort of like really express your concerns, express like why why you feel this way and sort of express what we've seen in other states and what we've seen in other places that don't have mask mandates. In Texas, like fifty, at least as of today, fifty nine children are now dead from COVID and. Mm -hmm. That's something that could have been prevented. Um, yeah. So I think sort of just expressing yourself in just sort of like an open letter in one way, it may feel like pissing against the wind. Well, yeah, but, especially
2: because they'll, they'll, I already know the argument that comes back because it's, um, you know, they've said if, if you want your child to wear a mask, they're more than welcome to wear a mask. Right,
1: right, right. Sure. Like there's yeah. definitely going to be pushback, but I think you kind of have to try because what's the harm in trying?
0: Very true. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, I've just included some links in our show notes, which you know, obviously, I'll link to for everyone else. But you know, even the CDC has a, a science brief about uh, the transmission in K through 12 schools and early care and education programs, and they said uh, COVID nineteen infection rates for adolescents age five to seventeen were as high as in adults eighteen to forty nine, and uh, higher than rates in adults over 50 so you know it's it's still out there and it's still pretty high for for children as well you know just because and correct me if i'm wrong it's because you know for kids their immune systems aren't as developed as you know adults
1: it's not just that i think it's just that i think i don't Think that a lot of problems in the world are all because of just one singular thing sure right like i think that it's definitely like a multifactorial there's definitely like that aspect there's the aspect of places that are not going to be wearing masks and so if you're not going to be wearing masks you're definitely not going to be reducing the viral load that you can take in but then i think that also delta is way more infectious you've mm-hmm. seen it, yeah. and obviously like the more that the virus is able to survive the more that it can mutate the more that it can change and the more that it can become resistant and so i think that that's also a big factor
0: yeah for people that might be hesitant or want to learn more do you recommend any like sources where people can maybe find out more that's a bit unbiased and but more scientific if they want to do the research like i said i think that
1: uh professor peter hotez who's kind of been look i think no matter where you go the elephant in the room is that politics has definitely like been dragged into this,
0: mm-hmm, unfortunately,
1: yeah. and you're kind of going to like face it head on no matter what. The bottom line is this, know how the mRNA vaccines work. They work by going into your system, doing their job and then getting the hell out of your system and not and how they interact with your body and what they definitely don't do in terms of body interaction. We've studied how mRNA vaccines work for about, I think, 20 years now. They're still relatively new, but we also know, like, how mRNA has worked for years even before then. So I think definitely, like, knowing how that sort of stuff works and everything that I'm kind of explaining, it's also on the CDC website. Yeah. So definitely, like, going through that, CDC website is definitely going to be unbiased. It's going to give you the facts. And then, like I said, Professor Peter Hotez, Andy Slavitt, those are some good people that I believe uh, do a very good job of like providing information and facts about what's been going on. And Andy Slavitt actually does a podcast called In the Bubble. He sort of covered the pandemic from the very beginning. Then he did work for the Biden administration at the very beginning on the COVID task force. And then he's since stepped down to focus on his family, but he still talks a lot about uh, COVID and he still makes media rounds and goes on the news and such. But other than that, definitely like going on the CDC website, figuring out, okay, why does this work the way that it does? Why does X work the way that X does? Why does Y work the way that Y does? And filtering out kind of the nonsense from the people that aren't professionals. Mm -hmm. Look, the long and short of it is that some kid on TikTok isn't going to know more than the scientists that have worked on these vaccines. Some dude in a basement wearing a tinfoil hat isn't going to know more. And, and I apologize if, like, that sounds, like, a little abrasive, but that's, that's just... That's, it, that's where we're at now. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, that, like, like, that's the most clear-cut sort of thing that I can kind of give. The people that have gotten the vaccine, share with other people your experiences, mm-hmm. you know? I think that that's also a very important element, particularly for minority communities that are very apprehensive. There's a lot of apprehension in minority communities and black and brown communities um, that are very apprehensive about getting the vaccine because of, look, elephant in the room, America hasn't been great with minorities in the past. And there's definitely been like human testing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I definitely think that like sharing your own experiences with the vaccine is definitely going to help in communicating why you should get it and why it's safe.
0: Sure. My wife, Teresa, she also works in the healthcare field and she's been on the front lines every day of this. And, you know, she was another one of the people that, you know, as a medical professional, she was one of the first to get the vaccine and she's pretty much coming up on when she needs to get her booster. And I think any chance she get, if someone has a question, she's always available to answer why the vaccine is so important because she deals with patients every day that are hesitant about it and that don't want to get it or just for whatever reason they're they're hesitant or. They're just not convinced that it's going to work. And, you know, that's why they still have to take precautions even, you know, a year and a half into it, because at this point, if the more people that don't get vaccinated or are still hesitant, you know, we're still going to have to stick to the procedures that have been in place for a year and a half now.
1: I think another another thing to sort of take into account is. You have to also not just think of yourself, but you also have to think of, like, the community, and I know that that's such, like, an evergreen sort of thing, but, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're on a Power Rangers podcast, (laughs) and, and, like, teamwork is sort of, like, a big hallmark. A personal anecdote that I can sort of share, I know that the Ranger fandom does have, and, like, a lot of fandom, there's a lot of members of, like, the special needs community, for example, and the special needs community can contain, you know, autism, cerebral palsy. Mm Etc. We had a patient come into our vaccine site, 23 year old male with severe autism, and the dad was bringing him in. And this is somebody, and I'm giving you these details. So like you understand. And so the listeners sort of understand like the sort of gravity of somebody who may not be as privileged as you and I might be. Right. This is somebody who is completely nonverbal, uh, lives in a group home, does not live with his parents. Parents are divorced. Father came from another state to take him to our vaccine site to get him vaccinated for a second try. They were unsuccessful the first time. This 23-year-old this young male is very strong, and we were unable to sort of, like, get him his shot. Mm-hmm. And we, just, we wanted to give him the Johnson & Johnson shot, one and done. And if there's a booster for J&J in the future, which there probably will be, that will be, like, a future problem. We were unsuccessful this second time and Mm -hmm. the father and the father's girlfriend are now like in tears because how do you get somebody who is unable Mm -hmm. to fully comprehend and understand the entire gravity of what's going on in the world? How do you protect them? It, It is up to them for them to get their shot and to try to sort of do it in a very like calm and peaceful way. The long and short of it is that this is somebody who's going to have to be sedated in order to get their shot. And that's very unfortunate because that's not something that medical insurance is necessarily going to cost. Right. And so anybody that can make a decision and can be able to sort of do this on their and not have to be in a position where they're suffering from something that they cannot control. Anybody that is in that position where they can do it on their own should absolutely do it. The point that I'm trying to make is not necessarily 100% just for yourselves, but for everybody around you. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of people that are immunocompromised that can get the shot. And then there's some that are not going to be able to get the shot. But for the most part, there's no reason to not get it.
0: Right. And, you know, just from that kind of like that, what you would think is, you know, decent human compassion, you're getting, you're also getting it for those who can't, you're getting it to, to help protect those that can't for whatever reason. And you know, it's not like we're walking around with signs on our chest saying, "Uh, Hey, I'm immunocompromised or Hey, I'm this or I'm that right. Everyone's business is their own. So you don't know the situations of, of the people around you when you go to the grocery store or in a public place. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing it to protect others as, as much as yourself.
2: One argument I've used, um, because I live down here in uh, in South Carolina and it's a very, Mm -hmm. Uh, again, not to make it politically, but I mean, it's a, it's a red state for sure. And there's a lot of people who don't trust, um, what's happening anywhere right now, because that's just the way, uh, media has worked in both, both directions. Right. Mm -hmm. So one argument I've given people is who fight back and say, Oh, well, this is just a flu. Um, your chances of actually getting incredibly sick are actually really low. The way I've, tried to combat it. I'm not saying I'm successful with it, but it's it's at least, I think, helped one or two people kind of go, oh, okay, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, so yeah. if you if you look at the population of everyone who's gotten it, right, only, only like 12% of the population's even gotten COVID according to the numbers or whatever, or 20%, whatever, it's still less people have gotten it than have gotten it. Okay, cool. On top of that, like if you do catch it, there's only like a what, like a a 3% chance you end up having to go to the hospital. Okay, sure, I get that. And if uh, those who go to the hospital of that 3%, it's like only like 0.01% or 0.03% actually end up deceased. I get that. But you know what this vaccine does? It turns that 0.03% chance that you die into a 0.000000001% chance that you, aren't you worth, aren't you and your life and the people that care about you, aren't, worth that much at least because they are to me you know so uh, I think that's helped a couple
1: people turn their attitude around a little bit at least Mm -hmm. I think another thing is that that can definitely be frustrating is that like I definitely have like one or two friends and like maybe like two family members that aren't getting it and like and yeah yeah yeah. like I think I, I think we all kind of do I've definitely interacted with some people online that have said like hey you know like my mom isn't going to get it I don't know what to do hey my dad's not going to get it. I don't know what to do like and I think that like family members arguing with family members I honestly don't think you're going to be successful I think that that this year has kind of proven it I'm not saying quit I'm saying find a better method yeah. and the better method is honestly like Maybe listening to this power Rangers podcast or like (laughs) actually like talking with a physician and finding out like, okay, what's actually happening and not using Facebook as like a barometer here. Definitely like knowing what's really happening in hospitals and like the numbers aren't, they're not lying. People are absolutely getting sick. Children getting hospitalized. It's becoming very terrible and dire. And completely unnecessary that's the best way to sort of approach it if you want to approach like a family member like i said you kind of have to go in the, in the form of like motivational interviewing and the cdc website does sort of like provide you a good guide on that mm. um and go from the aspect of like okay why aren't you getting it and sort of try to ed- if, if you can to the best of your ability educate what the vaccine is and how it works yeah There's a lot of misinformation, like we sort of discussed here today about side effects and what could happen. And there's people that get really worried and up in arms about fertility and that sort of thing. None of that stuff's going to happen. And none of that stuff can happen. Like I said, mRNA cannot interact with your DNA Mm -hmm. and that's pretty binding.
0: Absolutely. And going back to your point, I've had a couple of family members I've, I've tried to convince and you know, it just wasn't working from like a family perspective. And in one instance, it took, it, it took this relative's doctor to, you know, have an official note that was like, if you don't get this vaccine and you catch COVID, you will die. And that was the motivation. And sometimes it just helps that unbiased, if it's a doctor you've gone to for like 10 15 years if that's what it takes then at least talk to your doctor about let them at least assess your own health and if you do get covid what could possibly be the effects if if you get it based on your personal health
1: yeah so we had a patient a few days ago uh, a family a mother a daughter a father and like the daughter definitely had some health issues because she was using a walker And the mother had diabetes, father had Parkinson's, and this was their first shot. And I said, well, if you don't mind my asking, like you guys waited for a while, like, why did you wait? And they said, well, because of certain information from the news, we just weren't sure. And I'm like, oh my God, you're being told completely incorrect information. And that's why you've waited so long. Like you're somebody with pre-existing conditions Mm -hmm. and COVID could have, could have really messed you up between now and then you're very fortunate that it didn't. And that you finally got your first shot now, but other people might not be so lucky, right? I, I, I really feel like we should put it out there,
2: or it, it should be more uh, relevant or prevalent in, in what we talk about. But it's like the people who watch cable news—it doesn't matter what side of the aisle you watch the news on, right? Ninety-nine mm-hmm. yeah. percent of their programming is uh, objectively opinion-based. Right? It's not an actual news program. It's a—it's a talking head. Uh, Someone who's being paid money because people are watching this person talk. They're not giving you the news. They're giving you their own little take on whatever. And people confuse right. that so many times for news. Unfortunately, it comes to this vaccine. I, I think, w- without saying it out loud, I think we can all kind of figure out exactly where a lot of this misinformation seems to come from. And what I really hope anyone takes away from uh, this podcast, from this episode particularly, you know, it's like I, I think it's important. You know, like I, I have family members on both sides of the political spectrum, Right. I have family members Mm -hmm. on both sides of the political spectrum who have chosen not to get the vaccine, right, both left and right. Right. If anyone takes anything away, I hope people understand that this is not an issue that is political. This is not an issue that should be dividing anybody. This is just an issue. It's not about your personal freedom. It's not about your civil liberty. It's not about who is president or who you think should be president. This is a matter of health. This is your health, my health, the health of the people you care about and the health of the people you don't even care about. It's just about keeping yourself alive, keeping your neighbors alive, keeping your friends and your family alive. And, you know, I've told people that I work with that maybe the best response is to stop calling this necessarily a vaccine because a lot of the pushback I get is, that oh, well, you can still get sick. That's not a vaccine. It's like, okay, let's call it a flu shot then. Call it the new flu shot. Uh, It's going to boost up your immunity so that if you get it, it doesn't hurt you.
1: Well, that then, but. well, I don't want to like cut you off, but like it is a vaccine. It's just that like, what's the purpose of it? The purpose of it is to prevent you from dying. It's not to prevent you from getting COVID. Like, yeah, yeah. you can still get COVID and like be sick for a week, but you won't be hospitalized. or oh, no, you I, won't be I, I, I totally yeah. get that. Yeah, my my, yeah. my only my my thing is that the argument or the pushback that
2: I get is people say, "Oh, well, it's not a vaccine because you can still get sick." Because I think that the terminology, the word. Seen has, yeah. has over time come to me. Oh, if you're vaccinated, you're good to go. Like you can't get sick. You're vaccinated, right? Measles. You got vaccinated for measles.
1: You got vaccinated for smallpox and all that stuff. So, it's like so. So I've had patients that like because because my vaccine site also doubles as a testing site, and so we get patients mm. that come in that aren't vaccinated yeah. um all the time. And like I've successfully been able to convince people to from after they do a test, they come back the following week and they come in and get they get their shot. Like hooray! But, like, they definitely have come and said to me, like, exactly what you're saying, Chris. And they're like, well, you can still get COVID and every, everything. What I do is I just sit there and I say, well, can you please tell me what the purpose of the vaccine is? Ask them, point blank, just ask them, and not in a condescending tone, but just sure. say, like, what is your understanding of what the COVID vaccine, what, what is its purpose? And they'll say to you, to prevent you from getting COVID. And you're like, well, what does that mean? And so then then that's your opportunity to sort of expand and educate and tell them it actually, the purpose of it is to prevent you from dying and to prevent you from getting severely ill. You can still get COVID, yes, and you can still transmit it. But the chances of you getting it, number one, are low. The degree of how severe you would get it would be low. Mm-hmm. And you're better off getting it than not getting it. In your sort of scenario that you've given, Chris, that's, that's yeah. what I would do. And that's okay. kind of what, and that's kind of what I suggest to sort of everybody.
0: Yeah.
2: At the end of the day, as long as people are getting their shots and, and taking oh, this yeah. stuff seriously, I think that's, they're not going to, they're not putting a, a microchip in you. I mean, let's, let's face it. Like right. as a, as a country, as a, as a government, no matter, get, no matter what side you lean on, you know, we came and pass a budget. You really think that they're going to be smart enough to figure out a way to plant microchips <laughs> into everybody and control us digitally and change our DNA. Come they on, also, real. They,
1: they also, they also don't care about it. Other- us enough to sort of monitor like i have a great figurine collection but i don't think that they really care to see it come on (laughs) what What are you gonna monitor
0: (laughs) and you know i think at the end of the day that's that's why you know not only we recorded this episode it's it's just because we care we care about you know, the people in our lives and the people that aren't in our lives, you know, I don't want to be the cause of someone dying straight up. I don't want to be the reason that someone dies. And if, if I have to work from home, like another year and a half, you know, I'll make that personal sacrifice just to, protect other people and you know i i think you know we we have to look at it that way and you know yeah this is a power rangers podcast like as long as we can do the right thing in our own lives and to improve the lives of others just that little thing you can do just to make the world a a little bit of a better place
2: i haven't met everybody but i would really like the opportunity to so go get your shot so that way you know, I can't say, "Oh, I never got a chance to
1: meet them before they died of COVID." Guys, I, I really want to see Spider-Man in theaters. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. Really. It's, we we have a deadline. We have a date that this has to have. That has to be <laughs> decade, Yeah, right? yeah. Like we need to we need to get the in the can here. Like, I, 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 have you have you seen it? Like, we're getting three Spider-Man. That's pretty wild. <laughs>
0: well well for for us it was it was like shang chi it was like you know even this weekend yeah. you know we we were debating whether or not to go to the theater i i loaded up the the amc app or whatever just to check our local amc and every yeah. showing the seats were reserved all next to each other and even though both me and Teresa are vaccinated i i looked at her and i'm like are you comfortable going to a showing this full and she's like no and i'm like okay me neither we're I guess Ah. we're not going to see Shang-Chi this weekend. It was,
1: it was a good movie.
0: Yeah. Well, I'll I'll have to find like a (laughs) three in the afternoon or something.
1: But but you're right. Like, I know it's the first movie I got to see was free guy and that was awesome, but it was definitely extremely weird going back to the theater and, seeing people, like, eating and all that sort of stuff and whatever. The last movie that I saw before the pandemic w- started was uh, the second My Hero Academia movie. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Guys, I want to see Spider-Man. Don't you want to see Spider-Man? <laughs> I like, go, see go, Spider-Man. Go Don't you guys want to see Spider-Man? Come on. <laughs> I You weird. know, I, I would really like to see Top Gun. I
2: got really excited for that movie last year, um, and now uh-huh. I can't see until next year. So yeah. I really, I'd really like to see, uh, you know, Tom Cruise in the movie he filmed six years ago uh, released to theaters. <laughs> <laughs> so I can watch this.
1: I forgot that he filmed it that long ago. Oh, my God. Uh, at this point, yeah, it's been, it's
2: been it's been at least three or four years, honestly, since we they filmed have, like, the thing. <laughs>
1: don't we have like three fast and the furious movies in the can or something? (laughs) Yeah,
0: I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It's all together. Well, no, I I, actually, last night, I just, if we're, if we're talking about movies, like um, there's this movie that I saw promoted a lot and I just saw it pop up on Hulu and it's uh, uh, speaking of Spider-Man, it's with Tom Holland. It's a chaos rising movie. And I just looked up the Wikipedia on it and they're like, yeah, this was filmed like five years ago. And I was like, what? (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Is that the one with Daisy Ridley? It
0: it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's both yeah, I that. heard
1: that. Yeah, it was filmed like five years ago. There's a lot of movies sort of sitting on the shelf. I think Eternals was supposed to come out in November. That was supposed to come out last November. But See, they they delayed that just because it sucks, not because.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> just I, you like know, no one's going to see this movie. You know, and now there's you know a what? pandemic. Like, yeah, let's put it back on the table. I, I'll say this.
1: The trailer for that looks really cool, but I and like I am very happy that we're gonna get Kumail Nanjiani as like a superhero and like a bunch of other characters there. But like I, I took a look at their toys and I'm like, this is gonna be a hard sell. Mm-hmm. You know what the problem
2: is, is? Is the Eternals were created before the deal with Fox to to take X Men and Fantastic Four back. And it got too far along and they're like, well, crap, like, you know, now that we've got the X-Men, we really don't need the eternal. So let's just, you know, uh, I least amount of dollars into it from this point forward for marketing and everything like that. If we release it, cool. If it doesn't release, uh, you know, I mean, the toys came out and then they're like, wait, stop. And they pulled them back.
1: I have no doubt that we're going to get a really good movie out of that because of Chloe Zhao and just like Mm -hmm. I follow a lot of like what Hollywood has sort of said. And a lot of people are saying like, this is, this might be the best thing Marvel has ever done, blah, 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 blah. I mean, like, there's always sorts of that kinds of chatter, but like, I think the toys are going to be a hard sell because they're not really iconic characters or anything. Like, you know, yeah, at all, at all. But look, change my mind, please make me wrong.
0: Well, yeah, I I, I hope it's I hope it's more of like a Guardians of the Galaxy situation where, you know, before that movie came out, I knew nothing about Guardians. And then that movie was just like, whoo, Guardians everywhere. So that's why I'm I'm like, I'm kind of excited about Eternals just because I don't know that history and it it looks pretty intriguing. So,
1: yeah, that's kind of where I'm at, actually, as well just give me the x-men it will be
2: good yeah <laughs> <laughs> just give me just give me ryan reynolds and hugh jackman in, in the same film
0: that mission accomplished Fought, yeah.
2: <laughs> five, five more years for x-men everyone, oh. has, everyone i want to be in that movie will be too old to play anything at that point like, you'll all have I to know. recast everybody
0: well <laughs> i think the point of all that is we want to go back to movies people you we want to go back,
1: I I go back to, normal. Let's yeah. go to normal yeah normal yeah. yeah, I'd love I'd love to hang out there at a convention again. Yeah, um, a lot of people have been at because I the only one I go to is New York Comic Con. It's really the only one like I kind of have time for or carve time out for and like I'm not going this year mm-hmm. like the Jacob Javits Center was essentially a hospital last year and. Can I just add
2: like how surreal I went to toy fair right before the world shut down, like literally right before the world shut down.
1: Really? Okay.
2: Yeah. I was at toy fair right at the end of January, beginning of February, whatever it was.
0: I was even more, uh, right before the, the COVID, uh, lockdown, because literally I was at C2E2 in Chicago. That was that, uh, February 28th uh, to March 1st weekend. And that, that was literally the last convention.
2: It was was just so (laughs) surreal though, to, to be in the Java center. And then like two months later, see like the hallways I walked in and they're literally just filled with cots Mm -hmm. like pictures of it. Like that was the part that I was like, Holy, part of the language. Yeah. Holy this is real.
1: Yeah. So got friends that are flying in to go to it. And I'm just like, I'm not going. And I also know that like, it's just not going to be the same, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We'll see.
0: Just we'll see what just get, just get vaccinated, people. Just get
1: vaccinated, people. And look, <laughs> if if you're like on the fence or anything, yeah. And you're listening, and you want to talk about it a little bit more, you can you can message me on Twitter if you have like. Family members, or anything, or if you need like tips or advice or anything, you can ask me or whatever.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Ben, we had a very great conversation uh, before all this, and you know, just to all of our listeners, I'm I'm vetting Ben. He's a good dude. He's thank you. Yeah, he's. You can message him about any of this stuff, and obviously, we're gonna post you know links to resources, anything that we talked about uh here in the podcast today. Chris, unless there is anything else on your end.
2: I mean, absolute worst case scenario if, if we do all become zombies for the zombie apocalypse, at least we're the first breed of zombies,
1: right? Yeah, right. I guess so <laughs> I guess so. We're getting the zombie we're, we're getting the zombie episode of what if this week.
0: Oh. Oh you know. okay. yeah, that's timely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll see what that's about. Ben, where can people find you online?
1: You can find me at Doctor Ben MD. That's all spelled out: D O C T O R B E N M D. I am there on Twitter. I'm not on Facebook right now, and Instagram. I'm not really using. So that's about it.
0: And then Chris, where can people find you?
1: Uh, don't don't find me.
0: Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> all right. Well uh Ben thank you so much for being on on the podcast today. This was really great and you know I hope people took something away from it. Yeah, so just thank you so much for being on the show today.
1: Definitely. Look, look, if we're able to help out one even just one person like it's all worth it in yeah. my eyes and I would love to come back sometime.
0: Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. You know
2: what? Next next time you come back, you can just uh, hopefully we can just talk about like Power Rangers and cool crap like that. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, that'd
1: be cool. Yeah, yeah I'd like
0: that. Hundred percent. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk about <laughs> Power Rangers on on the Power Rangers podcast. But yes. Well, Ranger Nation, let us know what you think. If you have questions, you can email us at Ranger Command Power Hour at gmail or check us out at Ranger We're on Twitter at Ranger Command Ph on instagram and facebook at ranger command power hour all one word once again thank you dr ben for being on the show and uh we'll definitely have you back on sounds great thanks everyone and have a good week get your shot get your shot (laughs) (laughs) shot. (laughs) you've been listening to the ranger command power hour only on the four-eyed radio network you can catch a new episode every other saturday Find us on the Morphin Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at rangercommandph. Like us on Facebook and Instagram at Ranger Command Power Hour. Ranger Command is also on Patreon. Become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks. By pledging, you are helping us make our show even better. Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more. Thanks for listening.